Thank y'all appreciate that. Something about a little talk with Jesus. It makes a big difference. Amen. Amen. Thank the Lord for it. We'll be in Luke chapter number six this morning. Luke chapter number six. Continuing to look at the message of our Savior, the message of our Savior. As you turn in there, I do want to mention concerning Easter Sunday. Easter is April 9th this year. As you see, we got the, the tomb up here, but you notice it's not being used yet. But it's it's getting ready for a glorious day. And boy, I tell you what, looking forward to that. But looking toward Easter, Easter is April 9th, and what we will be doing on Easter Sunday, just to let you know the order of service, uh, on Easter Sunday we will have a service at 8 o'clock. So at 8 o'clock we will have a service Easter uh, Easter morning, we'll have some special music, there'll be some preaching uh, in the 8 o'clock service. After the 8 o'clock service, we will be going downstairs uh, for a breakfast, and I'm telling you what, it will be a good breakfast. Now yesterday, we said we provided breakfast and there was just some donuts and some muffins. No, that's not what we have on Easter. You're going to have all you want, boy, I'm telling you what, ever, all the fixings, it'll be a great breakfast, so we'll go down for a breakfast at 9 o'clock, uh, and then following the breakfast, we'll come back upstairs for our 10.30 service, and so then we'll have a service at 8, and then we'll have another service at 10.30. There'll be more special music, uh, and then there'll be uh, another message, and we'll be uh, preaching there uh, at 10.30. Now, I know a lot of times uh, folks may say, well, I will pick one. I'll either go to the 8 o'clock or I'll go to the 10.30. And, you know, if you have a, a schedule that demands that you do that, then I guess I understand. Uh, but many times we try to make these two services go together. So the, the, the 8 o'clock and the 10.30 service will kind of go together. The sermons will go together and the service will flow together. So I encourage you, if you are able to attend uh, both services on Easter, both the 8 o'clock and the 10.30, I know that you will be blessed uh, by coming and attending both of those services. And then we will not have a Sunday school or an evening service on Easter. So there'll be no Sunday Sunday school uh, because of the way we have the services lined up, and then also there'll be no evening service on Easter Sunday. So just a little bit different, so you can plan as you look forward to that. There'll be an 8 o'clock service, breakfast at 9 o'clock, and then a 10.30 service. And as I've mentioned about uh, letting us know if you're able to help with the uh, meal for Wild Game, also if you're able to let Miss Bonnie know if you're able to help uh, with the breakfast, I'm sure she would be glad to hear from you. So just want to let you know uh, what is coming up. There concerning Easter. All righty, Luke chapter number six. I will start off by saying that the passage of Scripture that we're getting ready to look at this morning, and Lord being our helper, we're going to try to uh, skim over the entire passage, uh, but we could spend uh, a, a series of messages on this passage of Scripture. Boy, I'm telling you, the amount of content that the Lord covers in the passage of Scripture we'll be looking at this morning, in all honesty, we could easily preach on this uh, for several several weeks we could preach on this passage of Scripture because there is just so much that the Lord has for us here this morning. But because we're wanting to move on into uh, the messages concerning the trial, the death, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ as we move into Easter, I'm going to try to just skim over uh, this message. Now, I don't promise that I won't get stuck somewhere along the way, but we're going to do our best to just skim over uh, this message and hit the highlights uh, of what Christ had to say uh, this morning. And so we're going to be in Luke 
chapter number 6, verse 20, uh, down through verse number 45. This is the passage that we've been looking at uh, two Sundays ago, or the first message uh, in, from this passage uh, we looked at uh, was the blessing of eternal focus. You may remember that message. And we talked about how the trials of life uh, can have blessing to those who follow Christ uh, because there is a blessing in being eternally focused rather than materially focused. Uh, in our last message from this passage of Scripture, we considered the barrenness uh, of temporal fullness. And we talked about how there are many people who pursue uh, the fullness of this life uh, to the neglect uh, of their eternal preparation. Uh, and there's coming a day when they're going to find out that although they may think uh, that they have been fulfilled and satisfied in this life, uh, they will find out that they are empty uh, in regards uh, to eternal life. And so that was the first two passages of Scripture we looked at uh, from verse 20 down through verse number 26. Now this morning we will be picking back up with this same passage of Scripture in verse number 27. In verse number 27. And this final portion of the passage that we're going to be looking at this morning, I have titled The Behavior of Christ followers, the behavior of Christ followers. So if you would look with me in Luke chapter number 6, uh, we're going to be reading starting in verse number 27, and we're going to read all the way through verse number 49. It's a lengthy passage of Scripture, but it gives us an overview of the final part of this message that Christ preached there in the plain. So let's read starting in verse number 27. It says, But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. And unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind to the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. And he spake a parable unto them. Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? The disciple is not above his master, but every one that is perfect shall be as his master." And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but perceivest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Either how canst thou say to thy brother, Brother, let me pull out the mote that is in thine eye, when thou thyself beholdest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, cast out first the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to pull out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. 
for a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, Lord, it's good to be in your house. Lord, I've enjoyed, uh, Lord, the singing. I've enjoyed the worship. I've enjoyed the fellowship. Lord, I've enjoyed as we've talked about events that are coming up and as we've looked ahead at, Lord, the areas and the ways and the places, oh, Father, that we will have opportunity to serve you. Lord, I've enjoyed uh, being together with your family. But, Father, Lord, now as we come to your word, oh, Lord, I pray that you will take this passage of Scripture. And, Lord, as we look through these principles that you taught concerning those that follow you, Father, I pray that you will allow us to look at ourselves, And Father, Lord, you will help us to determine if we are following Christ. Father, I pray. Lord, I ask if there be someone here this morning, uh, Lord, that doesn't know you as Savior. If there's someone here, Lord, that is unsure about their eternity. If there's someone here, Lord, who has never accepted you as Savior. There's never been that time. Lord, when they uh, publicly put their trust in you, Father, I pray that you will work in the hearts of these people. And Father, Lord, I pray that you, through your Holy Spirit, will minister to their heart through your word. And Lord, bring them to a recognition of their need for salvation. Lord, I know there's some that's unable to be with us this morning, Lord, because of sickness and, uh, Lord, uh, not feeling well. Father, I pray you be with each of them. I pray you touch their bodies and help them. I pray, dear Lord, for those that aren't here, Father, simply because they have not prioritized following you. Lord, I pray, uh, Lord, that even now you will convict their hearts, Lord, of the importance uh, of, Lord, prioritizing you and your word and their relationship with you. Thank you, dear Lord, for each one who is here. I pray, dear Lord, that you will work in their life, help them, and bless them through the message today, I pray. And Father, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Now, before we get into this message, I want to remind you that this passage, as we said last week, is not a list of do's and don'ts. Neither is this passage a list of requirements that I must adhere to in order to secure my salvation. One thing that we need to understand is that my salvation does not rest on what I can or cannot do. It does not rest on my ability to adhere to a certain list of do's and don'ts. Let me just explain this to you. If my salvation relied on my ability to keep the law of God, I am eternally doomed. The purpose of the law, the purpose of the law is to reveal to you and I that we are incapable of earning our own righteousness. The purpose of the law is to reveal to you and I that there 
there it is impossible, there is no way that I can ever obtain salvation on my own. It is not possible. I cannot do it. That is the purpose of the law. The Bible says it is a schoolmaster. What does the schoolmaster teach me? The schoolmaster teaches me that I, in my own strength and in my own ability, am not able to attain to the righteousness that is required of God and therefore I need a Savior. This is what the Bible teaches. And so whenever we come to a passage of Scripture like this, uh, uh, people will have a tendency uh, to begin to think either one, these are things that I must do in order to be saved, or these are things I must do in order to remain saved. Neither is true. This is not a list of things that apply to me maintaining or obtaining my salvation. What we have here is a list of natural behaviors that naturally show up in the life of a Christian. You say, how can that be? That these things would naturally begin to show up. Well, the Bible tells us that when we accept Christ, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Nicodemus said unto the Lord, what, what must I do? And he said, except ye be born Again, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. You see, salvation is not simply acknowledging that I believe there was a man named Jesus who died on a cross. Salvation is putting my trust in him and allowing him to recreate me so that I am a new creature. I'm no longer the same. I have been reborn. I have been recreated. I have a new nature. And that new nature results in an absolute different behavior than what is natural to mankind. We see that whenever Christ saves us, He recreates us. We look at the world around us and we see the natural responses and behaviors of men. When you look at a Christ follower, to the natural man, they behave unnaturally. The Christ follower will have character traits and attributes that begin to develop and begin to grow and begin to show forth in their life that is completely different than that of an unsaved man. In the book of Ephesians, we read of the fruits of the Spirit. And the Bible tells us these are characteristics that will show up and that will develop in the life of someone who is following Christ. So as we look at this passage of Scripture this morning, I don't want you to look at it as a list of do's and don'ts, but I want you to look at this passage of Scripture and ask yourself, am I following Christ? Because if you have put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and you are following Him and His leadership, you may not have these things nailed down perfectly, but you will be able to say with clear conscience, I'm different from what I used to be in these areas, and I can see a natural change taking place in my life. So as we take and get into this this morning, I can see that we are way out of time, so we're going to have to preach fast and furious. Y'all follow up with me, all right? So we get into this passage of Scripture. We see in these next verses that Jesus lists four areas, four main areas where the behavior of a Christ follower is noticeably different. 
from that of the unsaved. The first one that we see is in verse 27 down through verse number 36 where we see our behavior toward our foes. Our behavior toward our foes. In verse 27 to 36, Jesus explains how our behavior toward our foes is very different than that of the natural unsaved man. First of all, in verse 27 and 28, we see uh, in our behavior toward our foes, a Christ follower will exhibit selfless love. Selfless love. It says in verse 27 and 28, But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies. Do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you. And pray for them which despitefully use you. We see here in these verses uh, that Christ says the Christ follower is different from the unsaved in that those that follow Christ uh, will exhibit a love toward those uh, who do them wrong. They will exhibit a love for their enemies. They will exhibit a concern for their enemies. You see, whenever we follow Christ, uh, we want to become like Christ. We want to behave as Christ. And if you remember when Christ was crucified and he was hanging there on the tree and the soldiers were at his feet who had whipped him, who had beaten him, who had falsely accused him, who had tortured him, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You and I may never attain to the level of love that our Savior exhibits, but whenever we accept him and he recreates us, we will notice that instead of a hatred for those that do us wrong. There will be a heart of love. There will be a desire to see them do better. There will be a heart that is willing to forgive. That is not something you make up on yourself. That is not something you can generate on your own. That is something that only comes when you have been reborn. We see here that there will be a selfless love. This selfless love is exhibited in a few different ways. We see here, Love your enemies. How do we do that? Well, first of all, he said, do good to them which hate you. We exhibit this selfless love with good behavior towards those who misuse us and those who hate us. Not only will we do good, but in verse number 28, he says, bless them that curse you. I see here we exhibit our love through good behavior. We exhibit that love through kind words kind words towards those uh, that speak ill against us. And not only that, uh, we see finally in verse number 28, we exhibit this love uh, uh, through sincere prayer. He says, and pray for them that despitefully use you. I remember, and I've shared this story with you before, I believe, but I remember an evangelist staying in our home. Their home was small, had thin walls, and could hear him praying in the morning. Early in the morning, I could hear the evangelist praying. And I heard him praying for an individual that I knew personally had done him wrong. And he's praying for him. And he's not praying, Lord, I pray you bring revenge on this guy and correct everything he did wrong. No, he's praying. He's calling him by name and he said, I pray you bless his ministry. I pray you bless his family. I pray to the Lord that you, you work in his life. I pray to the Lord that you'll help him and pour blessings upon him. And I'm like, what in the world? How can, what? And so I asked him. I was just a teenager and I, I you know, didn't know about being uh, careful with what you say. I was still young enough to just say what I thought, you know. And so I asked him uh, later on at breakfast, I'm like, I heard you praying for this guy. I thought he did you wrong. He said, brother, he said, it's the only way I can keep my heart with God is just keep praying for him. Keep praying for him that God will pour his blessings upon him. We exhibit our love for those that do us wrong by 
praying for them. Pray for those that despitefully use you. The second illustration we see here uh, in our behavior toward our foes, first their selfless love. Secondly, uh, we see a second illustration of this unusual behavior is seen in patient long-suffering. Patient long-suffering. In verse number 29, Jesus said, And unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer the other also. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. Now this verse right here goes against our natural tendency. This is not how we naturally respond. He smites you on the one cheek, turn the other also. I remember my dad. My dad accepted the Lord when he was uh, 22 years old and uh, Dad had grown up rough. He was, a, he was a redneck, rough mountain guy, worked in the coal mines. He was tough. Uh, he, he liked to fight. This was the kind of guy Dad was. He got saved. He had been saved for just a year or two. And my mom called Dad on the phone. I was, I was too little to remember this, but Dad's relayed the story to me. Uh, mom called Dad on the phone and said, uh, Gerald, I've slid off the... Uh, it's in the wintertime. She said, I hit this icy spot. I've slid off in the ditch. Wonder if you could come pull me out. So Dad jumps in his pickup truck, and he goes there uh, to help Mom out. And uh, he, he sees the car in the ditch, and, uh, but he sees a guy standing at the driver window just really, really talking, uh, you know, very vehemently towards his wife, my mother. And so dad walks up to the guy. He's like, excuse me, sir, excuse me, can I help you? And the guy turns around and just begins to use foul language and talk about how mom had blocked the road, and he's just using all kind of foul language. And dad says, sir, sir, um, please don't use that kind of language around my wife and my children. If, if, if you don't mind, sir, please, please, just don't use that kind of language. Well, he continued to use foul language, and dad just, boom, laid him out. Guy falls back against the car and rolls off the side of the car, blood running out of his nose. The dad gets down. He's like, sir, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to hit you. I'm a Christian guy. I shouldn't have hit you. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to hit you. And uh, the guy's like, it's all right. It's all right. The dad helped him up, and the guy got up, and he reached out to shake dad's hand. And so dad gave him his hand, and when he did, the guy pulled him in to, to punch him again. Well, what he didn't know is dad was left-handed, and boom, <laughs> laid him out again. <laughs> And again, he's down on me. I'm sorry, sir. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have hit you. I'm a Christian man. I shouldn't have hit you. You know what? It's not our natural response. But if that situation would have happened a year or two prior, there wouldn't have been no apology. There wouldn't have been no, sir, I'm sorry. There wouldn't have been no something inside of dad that was saying, this isn't how you behave. This isn't how you... There's something different. Something was changed. Was he perfect? No, he wasn't perfect. Was he still growing? Yes, he was still growing. But there was a witness on the inside that gave evidence that he had been recreated. There was a new nature. We look at this and we see that there is selfless love. But second, there is patient long-suffering. We see that this patient long-suffering is exhibited uh, in personal injury. Uh, he that smiteth thee on the one cheek, turned the other also. Uh, uh, there's also patient long-suffering exhibited in property loss. It says if he takes your cloak, uh, let him have your coat also. We are to be long-suffering uh, uh, towards our enemies. We see uh, in our behavior toward our foes, selfless love, patient long-suffering. But a third characteristic that I believe that we will find in our lives once we give our life to Christ uh, is genuine liberality. Genuine liberality. In verse number 30 it says, Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. Jesus here exhibit, it says that we are to exhibit a generosity toward our foes. 
We are to be willing to be generous. We see this is exhibited in two ways. First, we are to extend charity to our foes. We're to extend charity to our foes. And secondly, we are to exhibit mercy. Give to every man that asketh thee. That's extending charity. But then we're to exhibit mercy. And he that taketh away thy goods, ask them not. Again, I've told one bad story on dad. Now I'll tell a good story on dad. We took a, dad took a church in Webster Springs, West Virginia. About a mile or so from where we lived was a, was a guy who was an alcoholic. He had given his life to alcohol and he, he lived from, uh, from check to check and then he would spend his entire check on alcohol. He had nothing. His home was uh, falling down. He had nothing to wear. He just gave himself to alcohol. And dad's heart went out to the guy. His name was Buster and dad would go pick Buster up. He'd drive down to his house and he'd find Buster. He'd say, Buster, I want to bring you home with me. I want to feed you supper tonight. I want to help you out. So dad bring Buster to the house. And he'd say, Buster, while we're getting supper ready, why don't you go ahead and get yourself a shower? And we'd get Buster in there and uh, get Buster a shower, you know, get him cleaned up and feed him supper. And we'd talk with Buster, you know, and then Buster would go home and we would look to see what all Buster had stole. And many times we would find lots of stuff missing. Oh, that's gone. Buster took that. Buster took that. Buster took that. So the next time Dad get a notion that we wanted to reach out to Buster, we'd hide as much stuff as we could. And we'd go pick Buster up and bring Buster home, get Buster a shower and feed Buster supper. And sure enough, Buster done stole stuff again. And you know what? Dad lived there in that town for two years, and we ministered to Buster probably uh, once a month or so. Uh, we'd go get Buster. We'd try to reach out to Buster. Buster would come to the house. Uh, he would be uh, drunk and, and stumbling around, and he would come to the house and say, Preacher, I need somebody to help me out. And Dad would give him rides, and Dad would take care of Buster. Ministered to Buster for those whole two years. You know what? Never one time did Dad say, Buster, you know all that stuff you've been stealing from me? And it was, sometimes was insignificant stuff. He'd steal our soap and our shampoo and our toothpaste. And oh, he'd say, all this stuff, he never wants to say, you need to bring all that stuff back, Buster. No, no. He was extending mercy. Extending mercy. This is something that is not natural to man. This is something that only comes if there's been a new heart put on the inside of you. We see genuine liberality. In the remainder of this discourse, and we're just going to finish with this first point. We may finish the rest of this tonight, okay? But uh, anyway, the remainder of this discourse on our behavior toward our foes, Jesus gives what I call divine leadership. So the first uh, three that we looked at here were characteristics that we see in our life. This fourth thing is an example that Christ gives us or until so we say instruction on how and why it is that this is how as Christians we are to behave. In verse 31 it says, And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. We see here that Christ is explaining there is a reason why we behave differently. There is a reason why we behave differently. If I was to loan Brother Matt here, $20, knowing that tomorrow he was going to give the $20 back, then I did nothing special. There was nothing special about that. I'm going to receive 
back again. I, I didn't really give him a gift. We exchanged. And the Lord says, if you're giving to people who you're going to receive from, and you know what, we can make it even broader than that. You can be like, you know, I know that if I, I know if I go to Randy's house and mow his grass, he's going to know I mowed it, and so he's going to do something nice for me back. And so we're exchanging favors, and we're knowing if I, if I do for them, they'll do for me. And so this is how we conduct ourselves through life, is the only people we reach out to is those that can give back to us. God says, you're not you're not doing anything different than the unsaved. This is natural. He said the reason we do things differently is because we want it to be noticed that we're different. Therefore, we give to those that don't give back. We lend to those that won't return. He says we, we do good to those that, that hate us. We pray for those that despitefully use us to give evidence that there is a new creation inside. I see two guiding principles here. I'll just mention them to you. First of all, in verse number 31, we see the golden rule. You know the golden rule. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye to them likewise. You know what? If we would truly practice that verse, it would change the world. If we would truly practice that verse, as you would that men do to you, do ye even so to them. If we could ever get our mentality as such that when we see someone in whatever circumstance it may be and we say, if I were in that circumstance, how would I want to be treated? And then we treat that person in that way. It would revolutionize this world. But you see, the problem is we so often, we so often see someone in a situation and rather than putting ourselves in their shoes, we criticize them for being in the place that they're in and we don't show the love of Christ. We see here the guiding principle is the golden rule. What is that? As you would that men do to you, do ye even so to them. But then also, not only do we see the golden rule, but we see the godly response. And that godly response is, I give expecting nothing in return, for Christ gave expecting nothing in return. I love expecting rejection because Christ loved receiving rejection. I lend... You know what? There are millions of people today breathing God's air and He isn't requiring anything of them. He lends asking for nothing in return. This is the guiding principle that we are to live by. We see here in this passage of Scripture our behavior toward our foes. Whenever Christ moves in on the inside of you, it changes how you respond to people. Now, the Bible teaches us that we still have our old nature. This is why in my first illustration, although Dad was trying not to punch, he still punched because we still have our old nature. But there is a new nature on the inside of us. And I just want to solemnly say this morning, if you claim to be a Christian and you have never experienced a new nature... You have never experienced the Holy Spirit of God guiding you in a different direction than what you would naturally do. I, I encourage you to check up on your salvation. Now, I'm not saying that you're perfect. I'm not saying that you don't still make mistakes. I'm just saying if you have never had the witness of the Holy Spirit of God on the inside of you saying, we need to do things differently, there's a chance He never moved in. And you ought to check up and make sure that you have that witness because these things that we're looking at is not a checklist that you're like, if I'm going to go to heaven, this is how I have to behave. That's not what this is. This is a list of behaviors 
that naturally occur in the life of a believer. So we see here, first of all, our behavior toward our foes. There's three others, and as I said, we may finish this up this evening. Uh, skip Psalm 119 and stick with this, but we look at our behavior towards our fellows. We're going to look at our behavior towards our faults. We're going to look at our behavior towards our faith. All of these things Christ covers in this passage of Scripture, and it all relates to what happens in the life of a person when they put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's all stand to our feet. Miss Melissa, if you make your way to the piano. If the Lord spoke to your heart this morning, there's two, two parts to this invitation. One, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I don't know if I've ever put my trust to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not sure if I've ever believed on Him. I, I really don't know that I've ever experienced that witness of the Holy Spirit. My, my Christianity is much more me trying to do what I think I'm supposed to do. I, my Christianity's not really ever been just putting my trust in the Lord. If that's you, as Miss Melissa plays the piano, you come to this altar and let somebody take a Bible and show you how you can know for sure you're on your way to heaven. Perhaps you're here and you're a Christian and you're like, Pastor John, I do have that witness of the Holy Spirit. I do have that new nature. But Pastor John, I tend to follow my old nature. I tend to quench the nudgings of the Holy Spirit of God. I, I tend to not listen when He leads. If that's you, come to this altar and say, Lord, help me. Help me to exhibit the changes that naturally take place in the life of a believer. If the Lord spoke to your heart, she plays, you come.